Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show where our very own Cousin Mike and the new Mouth of the South, Tyler Peters, gives you our thoughts on some of our favorite matches in wrestling history. Welcome to Tyler and Mike's Insights, presented by the Rewind Wrestling Network. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to a brand new episode of Tyler and Mike's Insights. I am Tyler Peters, your host. Along with me is my broadcast colleague, tag team partner, cousin Mike Beyer. We represent the Rewind Wrestling Network. This is just another extension of that. And uh, go check out the, uh, the links in the descriptions. Go like, follow, and subscribe to all the content of what we're doing at the Rewind Wrestling Radio Podcast and just the network overall. But uh, I've got some questions for my uh, tag team partner, speaking of that. Mike, uh, my first question would be, who is your favorite wrestler from the 70s and 80s decades? It's a hard choice for me. But if I had to really nail the head on who, it's a very close first place, and it would be Roddy Piper. Oh, that's a great choice, man. Hot Rod. Lo- love Piper. Part of what I loved about him was, especially in his debut, if you ever get a chance to go and look at his de- debut in WWE, he's real slow and calm and everything like that. You know, he's just lumbering, talking to his tag team partner. And then as soon as the bell rings, he's across the ring in a matter of seconds choking the guy out, shoving him to the ground, punching him, kicking him, and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Then he hits the other guy. And it just, his intensity, his mic skills, um, you know, he was an a-hole, but, like, he was a good a-hole because, like, he just called out everybody on their their BS. Um... I also loved the the crossover effect that he had because, like, he worked for other wrestling organizations, too. Sure. Um, He never had the WWE title, but he was one of those guys that I feel like never needed a world title. He was always in the top of the card no matter where he went, Um, always gave his best ability, never phoned it in, and he was the one guy who, up until Mania 1, would not lay down for Hogan. Yeah, he did refuse because to uh, was... job out to him. And it made sense because there was more money in him not losing for a good amount of time before him losing because it just made people get angrier and angrier and want to see him get beat even more. And it's a good thing. Like it's 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 the best formula for any really good heel. The more you want to see him get his ass kicked, the more... You know, you're gonna to want to tune in every week just to be have that chance to have it happen. Yeah, it's it's um, perfect. I mean, I mean, you got Bobby the Brain Heaton. I mean, Sami Zayn when he was a heel when he had the IC title. Like, there's so many guys that could be thankful from, you know, him just standing up and saying, "Nah, man, I don't want to take the pin because it doesn't make sense when we can make more money." Absolutely. I mean, you got Bobby Heenan, you've got, uh, you mentioned Sami Zayn when he was Intercontinental Champion, but anytime you select uh, Roddy Popper, 
that you know that's going to get a reaction uh, in a positive way from me because who doesn't appreciate especially now you, you may have not even like the guy but you grew to respect that he was a man that knew his craft and that was hot rod so that, that's a fantastic answer i you made me pop as they say not just a road warrior pop a hot rod pop mike so thank you for that <laughs> there you go and, and like the whole point of this segment today by the way for the viewers is that uh we want to have you guys get to know us a little bit better so that you can understand where we're coming from when we talk about like what makes us excited, what doesn't make us excited. So that way you can kind of, you know, get a feel for us. So Tyler, yes, who was your favorite wrestler from the eighties and seventies? This is a, a great question. Uh, if I'm going to be honest, I didn't really look at all the technical stuff like I do now and the wrestling ability. And if I'm fair, it's going to be the opposite of Popper. I actually was uh, bought into all the Hulkamania stuff. So I, I, I will disappoint a lot of people. They'll go, man, I'm ashamed of Tyler. But if I'm going to be honest, you know, no, that, that was my guy. I mean, and I would say Sting, but that I, I didn't uh, realize or recognize Sting's talent till later. But it was also more of his character and the charisma. I, I wouldn't put Sting up there with uh, being the scientific guy by any means. But you got to look at the other aspects, and that's what drew me. And I'm as much as I appreciate Popper, I also loved the, the babyface Hogan. Now, he was a great heel with the NWO, but to me, going back in the red and yellow against Andre, and, and well, speaking of Popper, that was Popper's pit, that whole segment. Uh, the whole buildup, I, I don't know. I, I mean, his promo, I didn't get to see Superstar till later, so I, I saw where he borrowed a lot of his gimmick from Billy Graham. But he took it just to a whole nother level. So I was a Hulkamaniac. That's why I had the shirt on, I must admit. So we got our 80s guys. What about 70s? 70s. Okay, if I, I'm going that way, I would be hard-pressed not to have Ric Flair. But I, I'll tell you, it's it's a tie between Flair and Bachwinkle. I've grown to really admire Nick Bockwinkel's work a lot more. To me, okay. him and Flair are, are neck and neck. Uh, they're, they're still both different, even though I see similarities. Uh, but I'll tell you what, I don't think Bockwinkel gets enough credit for some of the other territory work in AWA. And no knock against Flair. I, I love the Nature Boy, but to me, I think I like Bockwinkel just as much. So for the 70s, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. That was about the time when uh, the Briscoes really had their like type and everything. Yeah, they did. They had a. They were dominant. Yeah, uh, Jerry and uh, Jack. They were. They were a possible idea for me, but when I think of like '70s wrestling, especially like WWE or WWWF, WWW, WWW. Yeah, however many Ws. Um, it's really hard for me to pinpoint a guy from the 70s just because, you know, there's so many great guys and everything. But, um, I mean, there were. That's what makes it tough. I mean, you know, I put Flair and Bachwinkle, but there, there was – so much depth. I mean, you mentioned the old WWWF. I, I think of Bruno. Uh, maybe Dynamite Kid. Like that's, early Dynamite Kid. That's a great Kid. choice. Yeah, it's, Before it's, Dynamite Kid turned into 
you know, the person that not a lot of people can stand. Um, when he was really, really young. I'm not sure if he debuted in the 70s or not. So, you know what? I can't remember either. Uh, but that, that's still a, a, a tremendous choice because you can't deny the man's ability. Now, as maybe, a person. Maybe Sergeant Slaughter, if I'm going to go with somebody from the 70s. Hey, Sarge was uh, terrific. That that was another just uh, fantastic choice. Love uh, Sarge. One that was uh, his senior's favorite gimmick. Yeah, one it. Uh, he and Patterson had that uh, that match in Madison Square Garden, didn't they? Back yeah. in the eighties, that uh, really made headlines, and everybody talks about it today. One of the better feuds between Slaughter and Patterson when he first started coming into New York, because he he worked out in the West, didn't he, for Shire? Went that word, Patterson. Mm-hmm. So, who are, and I'll give you two picks. All right. Who are two guys from that era that really just didn't do anything for you? Like, everybody, like, makes a big deal about them, and you just look at their body of work, and you're like, yeah. That's, that's another difficult one, just like trying to find your favorites because, uh, you know, I can think of some. I, I will say this, and, and no disrespect, one of them that I know it's an easy choice, but who I, I got caught up in the gimmick, the charisma, would have to be Warrior. Uh, you know, I didn't realize he was not a great wrestler. I got caught up in all the charisma. I mean, he could do a few things. No, no. It has to be somebody that from – when you looked at their matches, oh, I got like, you. You're just like, I don't like this guy, for whatever reason. Could be the what he did in the ring, just somebody you didn't like that you didn't think was as good as everybody made him out to sound to be. Well, I, I'll tell you somebody. If we're going to go attitude era a little bit, or maybe before a guy that I did not think was as good, but they they pushed him for a while was I Matt Johnson. Yeah, I mean, okay. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. A hundred percent agree with you on that because it was basically a dude the size of like a house with Grover's voice. I mean, he, I get why they pushed him. He had that look and he, he seemed to have potential. And even as a kid, you're watching going, wow, this guy's great. Then you go back and review his matches and, and no disrespect to these people, but it's like, okay, now I understand why he didn't last long, long in the business because you know, c- compared to like some of the guys he worked with, I mean, D'Lo Brown's a, a great example, and, he, and I would put him as one of my favorites, not as somebody I, I thought was overrated. Yeah, I like D'Lo. Uh, I'm trying to think of another guy. There's been so many that everybody goes on and on about them, and they're just a little bit overblown. So I, I'm trying to think. It, it's it's all good. It, it's making our minds work here a little bit. So I may have to go back to that one. I'll give you. Choice. I'll give you one of mine. All right. Um, everybody loves him. Everybody thinks he's amazing. I can't get into his matches from the 80s and the early 90s, but it's, it's Macho Man. Oh, Macho Man? Macho Man has put me to sleep more times than I can count. Great promo. But oh, for sure. Matches, I am just. He is. It's it's so hard to say that he's a bad wrestler, but like, 
it almost gets to the point when like you can tell like a guy's like choreographing every step he's lucky he had steamboat in his match with him for the the mania match because if it was yeah that, that helps i mean if you mess up a match with steamboat something's wrong with you yeah but like i just god no i mean it's fair like, I mean, like watching I, Pink Dry to me. That's very interesting. See, we, we are learning so much, and I'm sure the audience and those listening will be too. Uh, and I, while you were given that answer, I, I'm still puzzled. Who have I seen that I just thought, well, they have been so overhyped. And I, I have to recall the years I, I, that are coming back to me. Uh, it's just I'm drawing a blank right now. I'm ashamed to say it, but if I'm being honest, I'm, I'm still, Ahmed came to mind, whether justified or not. Oh, I, I'll tell you somebody, oh, I can't believe it took me this long. I, I got to go, as much as I'm a fan of Hogan, how about Brutus Beefcake? <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go the opposite, because as much as those two were tied together, <laughs> that was, you know, I, as much as the Barbara gimmick was kind of funny, I'm like, you know, he was with Valentine, he was with Hogan, and not saying Hogan was the greatest worker, but you, Valentine definitely could qualify, knowing his background, but Brutus uh, better be thankful for his associations, and I, I mean no disrespect, but if I'm going to be fair, I, what, I never got that. Guy, he's a guy that, like, I knew I was hype about when I was a kid, but I don't remember a damn thing about any of his matches. I don't even like, see. Oh I think God, that's the thing. I think the gimmicks worked. It's just if we're going by match quality, like you're saying, that's where I think, man, he got such a push because of who his friends were. That with you know, and I'm trying not to sound mean. I just never now going back at our ages in reviewing anything Brutus did, even in WCW, was pretty bad. I mean, bad is bad, like Huey Lewis said. It ain't just bad cool. It's terrible. <laughs> um, the other guy for me, and it's another guy that a lot of people laud, and I, I just thought that his work in WWE was absolutely, like, shit. But I understand why he had to wrestle the way that he had to wrestle because he got up there in age. And that was Ted DiBiase. DiBiase. See, I, I like Ted DiBiase. I think a lot of those guys probably had better runs in the territories. Yeah, that's DiBiase what I'm is probably like, an example of that. Like a, a distant third would have been Ric Flair for me. But I think the reason why I don't appreciate Ric Flair is because I didn't grow up with him coming up. Had I grown up with him coming up, I probably would have more appreciation for him than as somebody that's watching him knowing a little bit about how, like, wrestling works and everything. True. I mean, you, you'd appreciate him more if you grew up during that era. That's kind of where I have to come at it from. Uh, another guy that uh, I'm not putting him in any category, but we don't uh, put over enough, and he's definitely had his accomplishments. I've just grown to love even more Paul Orndorff, who we lost. Uh, Mr. Wonderful was tremendous. It's a shame he didn't get a run off the title, but at that time, you couldn't really take it off Hogan. They didn't have a backup plan yet with, like, Savage. Yeah, like, Hogan was just, he was on that ride, and you just, it, you know, as much as there was a lot of worthy people, why take it off of him? I mean, I, I kind of get why they didn't. Yeah, because, like, I mean, you take the belt off Hogan, 
the house drops by like 200,000 a month. Yeah, you lose a lot. So it's like, it was really weird. Like the, the first person to actually be a draw in equal power with Hogan was Savage. Yeah, Macho Savage Man would be like, up there. Because remember that uh, the Mega Powers was huge. And, and that's yeah. where Savage, I think, would kind of level with Hogan because they were paired together and the whole Miss Elizabeth deal and yeah, that factor. And, but, yeah, it's very interesting uh, dialogue we're having because it's it's good. It challenges us and our memories of nostalgia and even currently. Uh, I mean, you could even make the discussion now, but it, it's better to kind of go back, whether 70s, 80s. I mean, you could go 60s and 50s and... But, but I get it because a, a lot of these people may be revered, but you just don't see it because you didn't grow up and I guess understood yeah. how the, the wrestling psychology and everything, you know, played a part then. So three guys for your underrated wrestlers. Ooh. I'll let you pick your first and then I'll pick mine. So you do one, I do one, you do one, I do one. I think Dean Malenko. That's a pretty cool choice. Yeah, I think he's definitely um, been rated, but to me, he's still underutilized a lot of ways. Yeah. Uh, for me, and this is funny because, like, the same the same WrestleMania that I figured out that I didn't like Ted DiBiase when he wrestled for WWE, uh, I really liked Honky Tonk Man. I did, too. I think as a worker, I thought he was fantastic. He was he was kind of a clone of his cousin. But remember, his cousin wasn't working in WWE. No, he wasn't. And I think between the two of them, they were both neck and neck for great ability. And on top of that, one had the pile driver, the other one had the stroke. Which it, it, it was cool because like they didn't do the straight up, well, he's just Jerry Lawler's cousin. Let's make him a king now, too. See, I like, like yeah. that they didn't do that because then it becomes obvious. Oh, he they're just doing it because, you know, Jerry's yeah. a family member. Yeah. But he was a really good hand and a really, really good wrestler. Um, I like some of his, like, stuff outside the ring, like the shoots and stuff like that because, like, some of the shit he says is like wild as hell. Oh, it's very funny. It's it's entertaining. A lot of the shoot interviews and yeah, Honky Tonk Man's one of my favorites. I thought he made a great Intercontinental Champion. I mean, he helped get people over. Heck, I mean, whether it's Warrior or whoever you want to pick, any program like you said, he was underrated. A lot of people, you know, can't look past gimmicks. And even though he did a great Elvis impersonator type gimmick. Honky Tonk Man, you know, going back to Memphis, uh, you know, just Wayne Ferris. I mean, there, man, the guy could work. He could go. Yeah. So how about you? Okay, I've got to think about a second person. I'll tell you who I think is an underrated work, and I've already kind of revealed him, and he's second generation. Going along with Honky Tonk Man, I, I really think Greg Valentine. I think Greg was a tremendous worker. You learned from his dad, Johnny Valentine. He broke Wahoo's leg. That was a big thing. And the runs he had were kind of paralleled with Popper, with uh, Crockett and WWE. I mean, it was like they kind of followed the same trajectory. It, it was really astounding when you go back and look at their histories. Valentine reminded me a lot, or Triple H reminds me a lot of Greg Valentine. 
where he just had that ability to know how to get people pissed off at you. No, he did. He he knew how to push your buttons the right way. And Valentine, like, especially with the feud with Junkyard Dog, especially when, like, the lines got blurred a little bit with some of the stuff that he was saying and all, like, it, it just made for really good TV, and it helped him get over, and it also helped who he was going to get over. Um, again, heel promos 101. Piss people off. It'll make you more money. You're supposed to make them mad. That's the point. Yeah. Get an actual, like, reaction from the crowd. Make them throw shit in the ring. Don't throw shit in the ring because that's wrong. But you get what I mean. Yeah, you got to do some, but at least they're reacting. That That's a whole objective. I mean, whether yeah. trash or not, whether they're yelling, cussing at you. I mean, that that's one thing going back to Hogan, because this all kind of ties together. When he did turn heel, you know, I didn't mind the trash being thrown in the ring because it was different, and it reminded me, you know, this is the kind of heat he needs. I mean, if he's, I mean, people are yeah. buying in that, you know, because he, he had been a baby face. Now, don't forget he was a heel starting out, but he became such a big baby face that it, a lot of people don't remember that first heelish run. So this one really resonated when he joined the NWO. And then, like, the other thing with Valentine, too, like, he could go. Like, he was one of the better wrestlers. Oh, gosh, he's one of the best. I don't think he would have had, like, the world title. But, like, him being, like, Intercontinental Champion is, like, the perfect, like, peak for him in that era. Because back then, that title meant something, you know? Oh, it did. Um, all right, so for my second guy. I mean, it's tough when you have to think about it because there, there's been so many that you could go to each roster and try to select to see who was underrated, who was kind of underutilized, undervalued, whether, you know, right or wrong in that regard. Not in WWE, but in TNA. I feel like they underutilized Carl Anderson or Mr. Anderson. Yeah, that's another good example, illustration. Yeah. They could have very well made him a Stone Cold clone where like he was riding like the ATV and stuff like that. Like mm-hmm. they could have really they could have really boosted that character a little bit more than what they did. But then again, it's impact slash TNA. And there was a lot of management uh, changes. So yeah. even if he had momentum, if somebody new comes in, they're going to want to, you know, want them to see their vision. And, and unfortunately that, you know, still happens today in wrestling. Yeah. And like, I can understand why things didn't work out for him in WWE between being injury prone and then using a couple careless moves and almost dropping somebody on their head would uh, make me take a pause at looking at somebody. But, yeah, I think in uh, Impact, like, he could have been a bigger deal than what he was. I think yeah. he, could have been, he could have been right up there with, like, Kurt Angle. Yeah, he should have been. It's a shame that his career, and, and due to the injuries and, and maybe being, a, you know, he had the reputation of being a little bit careless. And I, I don't think he intentionally meant to do that. It's just something that kind of no, went just... around, you know. Well, one of the things that I couldn't, like, figure out for the life of me when like I heard about like the story about him dropping Orton on his head is why is somebody as tall as Orton taking a back suplex from somebody as short as Anderson anyway like it just 
Yeah, because Randy's what six five or something. Yeah, just seemed like a little bit like sloppy, uh, sloppy decision making. And he had to take the fall for it. Yeah, because I, I mean I love Randy Orton, but because of who Randy is, some wrestlers and talent uh, face backlash if they made one, you know, or or maybe not just one, but if there was a you know a pattern, unfortunately, that's who you would, you know, start blaming. You go, well, it's, it can't be that guy's fault. It's got to be, you know, so-and-so. Hey, this is uh, great, though. I, I love these segments, and uh, i got to thank Mike for uh, doing it. Just three questions, and we've ended up talking about other wrestlers. That's what's neat, because a lot of it will tie in and relate, so we can bring up certain rivalries or angles and, and uh, stuff we can recall and remember or have looked at and, so who's your third man? Well, third man. I forgot I had a third choice. Uh, let me think here. Third choice. i got to go with William Regal. I did not appreciate. That's another example of just how good that guy was. And especially him and, like, when you bring up Regal, I, I automatically think of Fifth Finley. Too at the same time. Oh, Fit Finley, gosh, that's a, that's another guy that he got his chances a little bit with Lashley and and Batista there for a little bit, but I, I remember watching him and Regal just beat the the tar out of each other in WCW. I mean, they were you talk about some good British uh, just strong style. They were just I mean, it wasn't even technical. They were just fighting, man. You didn't have to have wrestling in it necessarily. Yeah, but th- that's two that are, are deserving. I-, I think they they got their just due in some regards, but you have to think about a lot of missed uh, opportunities or where they could have been elevated. I don't know if it's injuries or just the way they were positioned on a card. But uh, think about behind the scenes. They have uh, been responsible for a lot of uh, talent. I mean, Finley, I believe, worked with the women. I mean, he, he developed that yeah. division. And Regal, look the way he did with NXT and now AEW, they're – Hopefully, going to use him correctly. I, you know, I'm not biased toward any promotion. I want them all to do well, but I'm hoping for AEW's sake they really utilize Regal. Yeah, I hope they uh, they figure out their stuff too, man. I do too. Like it, I, said, it, I would like, I would like, I would like everybody to be good. I would too. I, each other. Like, I, I don't care about like what Fed's doing the best or whatever. I just want to see good matches and good wrestling. And I think it's healthy for the business for all of them to, to succeed and thrive. So I, I'm with you. I, I never get into now. You can't help but kind of choose a side on some things, but I, I still try to keep it balanced where I try to see the logic, you know, maybe the other side of the argument, because I'm, I'm with you. We, we get too divisive over sometimes the, the littlest things that we forget the big picture. Everybody needs to do well for wrestling to have longevity. So my third man is kind of like a big, big name, but I want his iteration from WCW. Take away all the WWE. I'm fascinated now. And just look at his WCW work. And that's stunning Steve Austin. Yeah, Stunning Steve Austin is, uh, I, I liked his WCW stuff. Now, Stone Cold definitely is what 
you know, became the headliner. And I, I do like the Stone Cold incarnation, but Stunning Steve Austin was, uh, I don't know, I, I kind of miss that WCW period a little bit. I do. And, like, just, could you imagine, like, Bischoff just, like, sitting there, like, looking at, like, everything that they did with Steve Austin. Yeah, he has to realize now, and now him and Steve are cool, and and I kind of get why, you know, he had to fire Steve, but at the time, I'm thinking, man, now look at him. Of course, you know, both of them have agreed, you know, maybe Bischoff did him a favor in the long run, because look at where he was to become. The same thing happened with Triple H, and it got to the point where, like, the narrative was is that WCW would fire guys and then Vince McMahon would turn them into world champions because, like, they had Edge, they had Rob Van Dam. They did. They were all on the roster at some point, and people uh, tend to forget it, and I'm glad you brought up those other names because RVD and Edge are not as well-known like Austin and Triple H Here's a as far as WCW. Who's a guy that you did not expect to elevate to the top of the card over his career? Like you've watched them from like start to their maturation up to the main event. You talking about currently? Just in general, in wrestling in general. But it has to be somebody that you've watched like from the beginning. Uh, well, in honor of Eddie Guerrero, he's he's one of those choices because I, you know, think That's about watching him in WCW, and that was another problem. Uh, and I'm not even going after Bischoff for this. It was just the contrast and philosophies where they always felt cruiserweights ought to stay at, at a certain spot in the card where, you know, they wanted the main event. And that's the thing you were talking about with McMahon when they jumped over and uh, joined the WWE. That's what he did. He was able, they proved themselves to him and he, you know, he gave them those opportunities. So to me, Guerrero, I mean, I look at Rey Mysterio now. I mean, there's a lot of those guys that I watched uh, for the other company and that appeared in ECW and, and, you know, going back to their, their roots in Mexico or Lucha Libre. And, and the thing that we need to understand, just because they're from Mexico, don't mean they wrestle Lucha Libre. Yeah. I think that's a misconception uh, a lot of the times. I think for me, and I, I didn't expect him to get anywhere onto the upper card. And, like, I almost lost my Nikes when I found out that he won the IC title. Um, and it turned out to be an accident. It was Edge. Oh, Edge. Hey, I didn't. I, I like because, Edge. Like, when Edge was a part of the brood, he was silent. He didn't talk. Then he was doing the tag team wrestling. And obviously, like, the tag team wrestling started taking off and everything like that. But when, like, they did, the, like, the, the tables, ladders, and chairs matches and everything at Mania and all, I just thought that, like, all right, this guy's going to, like, get like killed before he gets a chance to do anything yeah you couldn't buy that Um, he was actually going to be that next megastar and then all of a sudden he wins the king of the ring out of nowhere like there was no build to it whatsoever like because like prior to him the guy who won king of the ring was billy gunn and it flopped yeah, it was unfortunate for Billy, but uh, they didn't yeah. take it too well when he won. But um, 
he ends up winning King of the Ring. And I'm like, well, wait, he's a tag team guy. And then next thing you know, they split him and then Christian Cage up. Christian has his little meltdown. They have a really awesome feud between the two of them for the IC title. Uh, they switch his finish. Um, it, they gave him the Impaler DDT looking thing for a little while. Mm-hmm. And then he had like a nice little singles run where like he had like the IC title. Um, I hadn't paid attention to wrestling for a good like five or six months. And I just remember my cousin, Billy, telling me, hey, man, Edge just won the world title. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And he's like, he had this money in the bank thing. And I'm like, what the hell's that? And then, like, he explained to me what that was. I'm like, oh, that's kind of a good idea. And then, like, in the back of my head, I'm like, okay, Edge won the world title. I wonder if he's going to be a one-and-done guy or if they're elevating him. Sure. And then I see what they did with him with Lita and everything like that and how they brought him up and all. And, like, it was just this, like, roller coaster trajectory for this character that I didn't expect to go anywhere. And it was nice to watch it. And it was one of those, like, there's very few times in, like, my life where, like, I've gotten to see guys start from, like, their rookie era and go to the top like I have Edge another guy and this is completely different sport but I was watching the Pittsburgh game where Tommy Maddox broke his hand when he went to throw for a pass and he smacked his hand against his offensive lineman's helmet and they had to put Ben Roethlisberger in so I got to see Ben Roethlisberger from his start of his career all the way up to the end of his career. Yeah, Roethlisberger. Hey, I think it's fair to use other uh, sports athletes as analogies. So, like, it's very few and far in between where I got to see a guy just turn into the guy. Yeah, exactly. It's it's always neat to see the ride, like you're saying, like Edge. That, that's a great example. And, uh, you know, Eddie Guerrero came to mind. I mean... You know, a lot of those guys, well... Even Jericho, too. Yeah, Jericho. Jericho. Yeah, you can't forget how important Jericho's run was. Jericho's in that same boat for me. Mm-hmm. Like, he was another guy. I didn't know who he was in WCW. And I remember watching him come out and talk a bunch of trash to The Rock. And I remember laughing my ass off when The Rock turned around and said, didn't you just get your ass kicked a couple of weeks ago by a guy named Juventud Guerrero? Yeah, that was classic. He, he came back on him. But, yeah, Jericho could always... Uh, man to get that promo back on the right but hey that man we we covered a lot here I, this was a great episode too man I, I always enjoy getting to talk to you about uh whether it's matches it's feuds or just where we're asking who's a favorite who's underrated or uh questions like that we're signing off saying goodbye for now and uh we'll see y'all the next episode see ya <laughs>